Yeah. Um, since I arrived in FIFA, uh, that has been my biggest um, challenge, but at the same, I'm driven by challenge. So for me, it's a very nice experience and I like it, right. is that I, um, in a way, I supervise the uh, air preparations for all the tournament and all the events that FIFA do. In mm. one year, for example, we go to eight to 10 uh, mm. a, a events, um, small, not necessarily all of them are big, oh, yeah. but we have yeah. the best awards, we have the FIFA Congress, we yeah. have at least two um, two tournaments under 17 and under 20. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Sporting Global Podcast. And today I'm here with Valeria. And uh, Valeria, how uh, how are you? How's uh, 2022 treating you so far? <laughs> it has been good. Like um, uh, it looks like already six months passed, in, and <laughs> not only one because I have been doing a lot. But uh, it has been treating me very well. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And it's a pleasure having you part of our podcast, of course. And uh, I think we have a lot of interesting things to talk about today. You know, obviously, there's there's some really cool projects you're working on right now. And then we're going to dive a little bit into your you know, background, your history, some 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 valuable tips, I think, as well for all those you know students that are like knocking on the door, trying to get their foot in the sport industry, which which we all know is a very you know challenging and uh, an interesting journey, you know, but it's very mm -hmm. passionate driven and uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So it, it's a pleasure having you part of this, as I said. And thank you, and, pleasure um, is and mine. And it's gonna be cool when you're just diving right into it. And, and I mean, like I think we could just start off, you know, just right away off the bat here. We like just just tell me a little bit about like how your journey in the sport industry began. Just take us to kind of like how your background like and how you kind of like went into the sport industry. So my background was in film and film production for my beginning. Like I'm a journalist, but I yeah. have worked for a long several time um several years for with, with the film industry. Yeah. And then um and I live also abroad for a while. And then when I went back to Brazil in 2010 one of my dreams was to be part of the Olympic Games, you know, right. and part of the production of the Olympic Games. So yeah. uh, it was kind of my wish. But before getting there, I, I worked in the productions of um, Rock Festival, Rock in Rio. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know them. They have um, um, an edition in Brazil, in Portugal and also in Madrid. So nice. I was part of the three of them. Yeah. And then I was fortunate enough that in 2013, uh, I was invited to be part of the Rio 2016 uh, organizing committee as the head of arrivals and departures. So that was my foot in the, the sports uh, journey and the sports life that I am until now. Awesome. Awesome. And obviously, you know, right now, you know, you're, you're obviously the current, currently the senior arrivals and departure manager at FIFA. And if you wanted to talk a little bit about like what essentially does this role entice? Like, what mm -hmm. are some of the responsibilities you have? And, and I guess as, as well, like since since it's FIFA, you know, there's obviously a lot of tournaments, a lot of things happening. Like, tell us some of the yeah. projects that you're working on right now. So basically, arrivals and departures, um, as the name says, it, we take care about all the arrivals and all the departures, but it's mainly uh, air preparations. So mm -hmm. uh, whenever you deal with a big tournament, either Olympic Games or a FIFA uh, World Cup, right. um, you, you have a, not only a lot of spectators going, yeah. but at the same time, you have the athletes, um, the teams, you have mm -hmm. a lot of other media, broadcasters, and, and several guests. So each one of them have a different um, service level. 
and and not necessarily um, not necessarily the airports are used to get this amount of people arriving at the same time and then departing at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like uh, uh, it's kind of like organizing this whole project into the operations of the airports. Right. And then, right. Uh, but the job starts way before it because, for example, sure. like in. In Brazil, with the Rio 2016 Olympics, my father always asked, why do you need to start in 2013 if the Olympics is only 2016? Right. Because there needs to be a lot of negotiation. You know, uh, we are dealing here with the federal government, so we need to, to start meeting people, uh, government agencies, um, uh, all the airport authorities. So, and also present to them our plan. They need right. to agree their plan different from any other venue the airport has is is not our own venue like mm -hmm. we are part of the venue that is already functioning and is already right. working yeah. so yeah. we we cannot disturb their operation but at the same time they need to be prepared for our operation yeah yeah you know so basically that's what i do i prepare um the airport operations for all the tournament events in fifa uh, since 2019 that I, I have joined FIFA. That's awesome. Well, I, I think we have to go a little bit into the details of like, I guess in a sense, like, like I guess what are some visible, uh, you know, aspects that people <laughs> actually kind of like, next time like they're in a whole city or like a place mm -hmm. where there's a tournament and they take take the airport, like what are some stuff that they can take like, oh, you, you actually like, you know, help organize that or making sure that you know so people get a, like a, a little bit essence of like what is it that essentially like the visible elements that that people like probably don't see unless you know mm -hmm. about it but mm -hmm. they can then now you know start thinking about it yes for example um a men's world cup you know it's it's mm -hmm. an, a huge amount of people that are going to be going oh, yeah. in and now for example in qatar is only one airport Right. So this is going to be a totally different model of World mm -hmm. Cups for for um, for FIFA, but yep. at the same time, it's an advantage because it's very similar to the model of the Olympic Games that I have right. been part before. Yeah. Like the Rio Olympic Games was all in one city, and we always only had one major airport in the city. We had some yep. hub airports to get there, but the, in the city, only one. Yep. So uh, the airport, uh, we are very fortunate, but the airport in, in Doha, the Hamari International Airport, has um, has been granted the best airport in the world. So I think right. like, so it's very good to, to be working with them, yeah. but they have never, they are more um, transfer airport than an arrival airport. Right. So we right. kind of need cool. to prepare the whole operation. They, they probably have several boots for immigration, but not all of them operate 24 seven for mm -hmm. a month. Um, yeah. You know, for example, security wise, uh, now we have COVID. So what are going to be the protocols during COVID uh, for the entrance? The, do people need to do the COVID test there or no, mm. that is not required. Right. Specifically for Qatar, there is an application that they need to download so they are able to get into the country. Yeah. Where, yeah. Uh, where in the flow should we put our helpers and our volunteers to help our guests and our clients to do this? without right. disrupting the actual flow of the airport. So these are all little details. I always play with my team that the moment that nobody complains about the airport, that's when we did a good job. So the idea <laughs> of our job is that we are invisible, that people yeah, only have sure. a great experience yeah. and, and, and they feel part of it. It's the first point of arrival uh, yeah. into a tournament. So they need to feel the, the idea and, and, the, and the essence of the tournament from right the beginning. So the goal is that 
everything goes well. They, there's no big disruptions. They can find easily if they are spectators, their public transportation to go to their hotels. If right. they are their clients that they find their, their transportation to go to their, their own hotels. Yeah. And yeah. Um, specifically for the, the men's World Cup, we have major, uh, very important teams. So we okay. always try to create um, segregated flow. So they are not disrupted by the fans, but at the same time, we create a photo opportunity so they can be film arriving in the country. So this can go to the media and people can start feeling, okay, the tournament has started. Yeah. So there's a little, there's a little bit of everything um, yeah. together uh, with logistics that they have to have the trucks there to carry the baggage and to carry all the uh, equipment. We, we normally work on a 24 seven operation. So uh, from, and then we always start before the tournament. So arrivals and departures and transportation are two of the areas that start way before the tournament starts. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of like, uh, we are off, away from the beginning until, until the end, um, yeah. doing our job. And if we don't, if you don't complain about the airport, we did a good job. That's right. the goal. You that know, makes, that, that makes, that makes total sense. And I think, I think you talked about something really interesting as well in terms of uh, obviously, you know, it's in, in, in a sense, nice having that, like, just like one place that you're, you know, focusing on or airport that is like, kind of like your main, main entry point. But the other thing you, I, I thought was interesting was how you, uh, talked about kind of like the essence of, okay, well, how do you now help, you know, without disturbing the flow of the airport to prepare them for kind of like an arrival situation, right? Which mm -hmm. is a very good point because I mean, like. It's also like I would assume, of course, like there are people visiting, you know, Qatar and, and this kind of and Doha, but but it's at the same time like it's not, I guess, in a sense, perhaps the audience that, like in general, that would be there, perhaps. So that's also impacts, I guess, in a sense, like just you know, I, I guess, of course, like the airport volunteers, but also like from 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 FIFA, right, and kind mm -hmm. of like visible there in in that sense, and that that I would assume is quite an interesting challenge that has to begin, you know, very early, you know, yes. so you are, are, are ready for that. So that's, yeah. That's and, cool. and the interesting point is sometimes is that people think that the, 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 the start of the operation is the more complicated, but that for us, the departures is the more complicated oh, yeah. time, yeah. specifically in Qatar, because our, um, these, um, Football World Cup will be mm -hmm. in November, December. Right. So the final will be played on December 18, which is very close to the vacation and the holidays. Mm -hmm. So um, we have most of the guests departing one or two days after the final match. Right. So right. it's it's a big influx of people going in the same direction to different yeah. points. And so for us, kind of like the departure operations is way more important then maybe the arrivals, uh, because the arrivals, they are split little by little. Each client yeah. group arrives in a specific time. But all of that needs to be negotiated with the airport authorities, with the government authorities that, that relate to the airport, also with the transit authorities of the, uh, of the city, because it impacts the flow of the uh, outside of the airport. So yeah. it's a lot of negotiation prior to very, the actual event. Very interesting. You know, I, yes. I this is a yeah. very interesting element that that most people don't really think about, even if you're no. in sport, it's sort of like, like, it makes sense when you kind of like talk about it and you're sort of like, mm -hmm. obviously that, that you need to have those kind of, you know, partnership and negotiations and these, you know, yeah. kind of like things in place and, and quite early, but it's just like, again, as you were talking about, like, you shouldn't, 
you shouldn't be visible visible be able to see it or notice it you know that that is Absolutely. happening that has been there and mm -hmm. that's a very good you know benchmark in a sense for 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 all of you to kind of like you know I guess evaluate yourself, but yes. talk a little bit about like you know what what are some of the other you know main projects that that you are working on now with FIFA and sort of like you know tournaments that are happening because obviously there's there's always stuff happening. You know, obviously you mentioned yeah. like the men's World Cup, but but there's there's more happening. So let's let's talk a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and 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 that was a very uh, different change for me since I joined FIFA because before mm -hmm. I was always working for one project at a time. Right. So I had a previous planning time for one project, either a rock festival or a film festival or even the Olympics. Yeah. Um, right. Since I arrived in FIFA, uh, that has been my biggest um, challenge, but at the same time, I'm driven by challenge. So for me, it's a very nice experience and I like it, right. is that I, um, in a way, I supervise the uh, air preparations for all the tournament and all the events that FIFA do. In mm. one year, for example, we go to eight to 10 uh, mm. events, um, small, not necessarily all of them are big, oh, yeah. but we have yeah. the best awards, we have the FIFA Congress, yeah. we have at least Two, um, two tournaments under 17 and under 20. Mm -hmm. uh, this year we have the Men's World Cup. At the same time, we are already starting to work on the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand because it's right. going to happen six months after the World Cup is in, yeah. in July, 2023. Yeah. So it's a very dynamic era, area, you know, mm -hmm. and then um, most of my counterparts are already in the city. So, so where the... the the event is happening so i work here in zurich and i i often go to visit them there but we work remotely with them so the the right. team of arrivals and departures is locally in qatar and right. now we're starting to build one in australia and another one in new zealand yep. and we work together because they have the local experience <laughs> i have previous events experience and we build together the plan Right. You know, because every event is different. For example, the men's World Cup is all going to be in only one airport and only one city. Uh, then the, the New Zealand and Australia is going to be in two countries with several different airports. Yeah. So we change completely the model from one to the other. So, so, so that, is, that is what excites me. Yeah. So, so let's uh, obviously, you know, makes makes a lot of sense, you know, having these, uh, I guess, um, things to work on, you know, and always mm -hmm. kind of looking for ways to you know, go outside your comfort zone, but let's, let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about those different kind of models that you were talking about. Obviously, you know, mm -hmm. with the Men's World Cup, you have like, you know, one entry point, one, one airport, and then the, in the, in the New, New Zealand, Australia, there's, there's multiple, like, how, how does that sort of like changes your approach or, or how the model that you're, you're, you're putting up? Um, so the, I think the first, the first stop is always, um, reach government agencies because, mm -hmm. um, different from the city management of a stadium or example, which affects only the city, normally in every single country, um, the airport and the airspace is always defined by the federal government. So right. I think that is the first step to, to reach out. But for example, in Qatar is only one country that I have to deal with in mm -hmm. Australia, New Zealand is two different countries that have been through major lockdowns um, right. due to yeah. COVID. No. And, and we know that COVID it is totally changeable. You know, we can we can create protocols as of today, yeah. but that in six months from now, uh, when we, we are closer and we are going to be a tournament there, uh, mm. it can change. So I think the basic uh, of 2023, the most important thing is that we create very strong relationships and trust 
Yeah. So we end up communication flow because if something changes, we need to create a new plan. So I always play with everybody that in, in, we always have to have for events, plan A, plan B, plan C, and plan D, because <laughs> at one point you might need to, you might need to use them, you know, right. but yeah. I think creating, creating relationship, trust, and, and, and communication is the key, you yeah. know, in every yeah. single, in, in every single operation that you want to do it, if you want to do them right, you know, and, and, oh, yeah. And also that the trust is very important. They need to understand your numbers. They need to understand your needs. They ne we need to listen and hear to their proposals because they also might come with great proposals that we, out of the box that we have not thought about it. Right. So right. it has to be an open relationship, you know? For sure, for sure. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. I wanted to go a little back um, like before, you, before your time at, at FIFA. And obviously you had the uh -huh. opportunity to work at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Mm -hmm. as well and and i wanted to like just just talk a little bit about your experience working you know such a major event during the pandemic because obviously mm -hmm. with tokyo like i'm referring to here um i guess what were some of the you know key challenges you were you faced at, at that point because it was still kind of early in a sense and people were all, you know a lot of yes. questions you know and a lot of things yes. came up yeah, yes so talk the funny thing is that I work um, right after Rio 2016, I worked for the Tokyo Organizing um, Committee. And then mm -hmm. in 2019, that's when I joined FIFA. Right. But then I was made a lead uh, for the, the turn, uh, football tournament uh, from FIFA going to the Tokyo Olympics. So mm -hmm. uh, even though mm -hmm. I participated to the, to the operational planning of mm -hmm. the Olympics and the arrivals yeah. and departures operation in, in Tokyo, I went to Tokyo as um, clients, kind of like a client, you know, yeah, I was one it. of the client yeah, groups. Yeah, yeah. But sense. for me, it was very interesting because um, in the beginning, when I was appointed to be the lead uh, of arrivals and departures and transportation to go to Tokyo, I was like, okay, I'm going back to a city that I, that I lived. I'm going to go see all my friends again. Right. I'm going to go back to the places that I, that I, that I love. And I, I had, uh, and then also see all my friends that had worked oh, yeah. in Olympic games, you know, because yeah. you create a community there. And the strange thing is that they created bubbles like the ones that are creating now for Beijing. So it's it's um, because we are international federation and we have contacts with the athletes, mm -hmm. we were completely involved in a bubble. So we could only go to our venue, competition right. venues, yeah. uh, myself at the airport or the hotel where we were located, our HQ and the other city uh, hotels. So we, I kind of like, very little experience um, the games yeah. because yeah. I did not see um, my counterparts or my friends from other games. I did not see other people from other teams or from right. other international federations yeah. because I was only there to watch the, the matches that we were uh, playing, uh, specific mm -hmm. ones in, in Tokyo. And, and we kind of, um, we were testing every single day for right. 39 yeah. days, yeah. you know, the, uh, even, even the arrival process, I think I remember we were kind of one of the first arrivals uh, into Tokyo and obviously the whole government agencies were still adjusting. They had proposed right. probably a lot of uh, things and they didn't know how it'd be. And it took like a long time. If I remember, it was like almost six hours from the time that the plane um, landed until we left the airport Right. because right. they were doing PCR tests, the PCR tests were not quick. We needed to wait for the results. After the results came, we needed to download an app, download the results into an app. So everything was, we were all going into the discovering what it will be like 
together right. with the government and together with the airport. So it was it was very challenging. Yeah. It was kind of like um, for me that I, I live now in Zurich and we had already experienced um, COVID and because Japan immediately closed the country, it was kind of like going back to Europe in the beginning of the pandemic. You know, so yeah, because Japan for the first time with the games, they were opening the country for foreigners, right. and and there was a lot of worry on on with the Japan Japanese population on on what the effect could could be on them. You know, right. so it was kind of it it it, it felt kind of like going back in time, you know, and, right, and right. we were feeling they them experience things that we have experienced when the pandemic started in Europe and every, every, every lockdown, we were all locked down. And here we were already going out. We were already uh, going right. out without masks, but only masks in, inside some places. So yeah. Yeah. it was a very different feeling. Yeah. I, I was happy and glad that the, the games happened because I think there is a lot of effort money and 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 all the athletes they they train for so long and, and specifically yeah. uh if if the olympics was already postponed for a year so if if the olympics did not happen a lot of the athletes might not be able to compete on the next olympics so oh, i was i was happy that it, it it happened but it was definitely a different tone olympic games kind of like what i think um beijing is going to be from right. the previous um winter olympics you know 100 it, it, it's the feeling like our impact and just the overall yeah. you know um, mm -hmm. feel and, uh, and uh, experience of it right and, and as you're talking about kind of like these these uh you know bubbles you know that are being created and then just you can't burst that bubble you know you have to stick in that yeah and, but also the feeling of having to test every day i think uh we have been tested obviously you have to do the pcr before you travel um that's normal but um i have never been that was my first tournament what now it's normal now whenever we go to a tournament we have we have a testing schedule a test and yeah. regimen yeah. which is normally every three days but in tokyo because it was the first one right. we were testing yeah. each other every single day so it, yeah. it's kind of like they were testing a, a size of a, a, a city per day right. you know because we were one of the people that were had to be tested every single right. day so right. it's a lot of effort and, and a lot of also medical experience that had to be put in place so it's mm -hmm. kind of like a sporting event that for one out of the blue they had to create all these medical entourage and, and solutions that were never thought at this scale you know right. in an event before no and that's that's kind of like the interesting thing too because essentially the the, the first major event happening during the pandemic you know which was yes. sort of like everyone like you had to do it right and you just have to be a little bit extra careful and like it was new for everyone right like yes. people that were doing it uh you know the people that attended it the people that you know athletes like everyone like just came in and in, in almost like in with a question mark right how is this gonna yes. be and then it's Absolutely. Really the best best out of it but but i wanted to um, like looking back you know and like you know obviously your experience with major events before the pandemic and obviously mm -hmm. the time during you know i, I want to say it's over yet because it's not no it's not, <laughs> you know? it's not. So, we don't know what might happen but, you know we don't no, know I mean, like, we're gonna stay on the bright side it's gonna happen at some point exactly um, but I want to, I mean, like, we, we talked a lot about the challenges, but I wanted to talk and focus a little bit on, like, what do you see were some, like, I guess, the positive outcomes that came, like, out of this situation that the sport event industry learned or and, and took from it of, like, okay, of course, it's a challenge, but, like, what are some mm -hmm. of the things, I guess, you experienced and learned that you, like, sit and think, 
you know, that's, that, that was actually a really smart or good initiative that might continue, you know, after the pandemic, you know, for mm -hmm. the future. Mm -hmm. I think, um, uh, first of all, communication with the teams yeah. uh, improved a lot because we had to create very quick and fast communications in case somebody tested positive and what would be the, uh, their, their, um, uh, what they needed to do right after they were uh, advised. That they, so not, not necessarily only um, um, a communication through email, yeah. but we, a lot of apps, new apps were created in a very fast way. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of uh, communication in between entities also was created uh, from the, the organizing committee to communicate with the other stakeholders. So I think that right. is a, a plus. Like I said before, I think um, not necessarily the medical departments uh, had such an impact in any of the sport organizations before the sports events before. Yeah. Yeah. But I think um, the care that needed to be put in place and, and the solutions that needed to be put in place for the pandemic by the medical departments, this is a, definitely a plus because I believe that um, the athletes are more taken care of, the staff is more taken right. care of, there's more awareness of the health, you right. know, um, right. especially um, throughout an event that lasts 39, 40 days. Uh, there's a lot of things that happen and a lot of people get tired, a lot of people get sick and not necessarily all this, this um, arrangements, you know, medical arrangements were put in place before. Right. Uh, they happened, they were there, but not at this scale. So I think mm -hmm. all these improvements definitely will help uh, the whole industry to be better prepared and to be to be healthier, you know, right. throughout yeah. the tournament or throughout an event. And so I think that is, that is definitely the plus. And, and you're bringing up a really good point here, I think, which is, which is sort of like, I, I guess, been like the... It's been like a quite, a, I guess, in a sense, a major question mark in like major events, like in general, especially like during the Olympics, right? Uh, where whether that's winter or summer, it doesn't really matter. But, you know, these are like, obviously you're talking about your bubbles, right? Of like, the, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to say athlete hotels and all this stuff. And then, you know, suddenly somebody gets sick and you literally have like an entire hotel, you know, that are sick, right? Mm -hmm. And so... Mm -hmm. Obviously, this this health restrictions and these kind of like you know elements to it, uh, you know, will positively in a sense impact this situation to avoid okay if somebody gets sick, you know, like mm -hmm. you have a larger team and people around you to like handle that maybe in a in a faster and and more yeah. reli reliable way. Yeah, but another thing that I think totally changed every single industry, not only the event industry, was what we're doing right now, the yeah. Zooms, you know, the Zooms and the Teams and the chats and the Google Meets. So, right. I, for example, myself, prior to the pandemic, I needed, uh, I had a program time to go visit Qatar right. just to have face-to-face -face meetings, you know, yeah. even with the government agencies and, and the, the airport entities. Mm -hmm. This has completely changed. Now I go to Qatar specifically for a tournament or for a test event, but all the other meetings, I'm able to participate on them uh, by video. You know, right. I have meetings with New Zealand with this time zone and, and maybe I would not be able to have them because it's so far away. And now there's still some COVID restrictions in some states right. that I'm fully able to do it from, from my house or from yeah. my office, exactly. you know, I think so. So this technology was not put in place before. I think we were getting there. We were starting yeah. to use it, yeah. but it became essential and, and totally transform our industry, yeah. you know, and, and in a way save some costs. Let's yeah. put it this way, like 
the medical costs that were low, uh, they increased, and then the communication costs uh, and the travel costs were high, and they were decreased. So it kind of like balanced out. Yeah, you balanced out. But I believe, out. yeah, but I believe that the communication, um, like um, for meetings or for quick decision making processes, mm -hmm. is uh, it improved a lot. It improved I, a lot. Definitely, I agree hundred percent in in how that impacted the industry because I mean, like I think also from a you know, startup perspective, right? Where you kind of like mm -hmm. limited resources and you don't necessarily have the budget, right? And kind of like pre-pandemic, you were kind of like, people were almost expecting you to kind of like come visit them, you know, for like that mm -hmm. first meeting or what it is, right? And, and we're like, okay, we kind of have to do it, you know? And like, and then it's kind of like an ROI situation, right? At least like, is it worth going down there, you know? Because yes. it's like having a meeting in Spain. Okay, I've got to travel from Norway to Spain. Okay, so yes. hotel, like travel, like all this, like it's costly for a startup. Yeah, no, course. absolutely, anyway, absolutely. And but so, for an entity as well. So right. if you imagine, no, uh, I'm one department from several other departments from FIFA there is organizing, right. there is a part of a big organization. Oh, yeah. So so it changed completely every single right. aspect of it. Obviously, for example, um, well, we have we have an area that uh, is, um, how do you say, pitch management. They mm -hmm. need to go and see the pitch. So right. they can do some, uh, they can do some uh, meetings, oh, but they, they obviously need yeah. to continue to travel yeah. to see the no, pitch. And analyze a pitch, but on, on a big, large scale, a lot of the areas communicated better uh, and faster and more efficient now after the pandemic. And and I don't know if the pandemic did not happen, if we would have jumped to this so fast. Probably you know? not. You know, and that's yes. that's sort of like the whole whole thing around it too, where you know it's it's like crisis leads to innovation, right? yeah absolutely and then also the home office i think uh in, in a lot of ways we were all needed to be together i still believe and i love having the face-to-face -face encounters with people mm -hmm. uh, but for example in fifa now we have um you can you need to work three times at, um during the week at the, the office if right. you are in zurich if you're not if you are in a tournament event obviously not sure. but then you have the flexibility to do two days at home Right. And you can choose which days. So, for example, I myself that I have meetings with Australia and New Zealand at 7 a.m. Those days I stay at home because for me right. it's more convenient to wake up at my house and have the right. meeting at 7. Right. And then I can have the whole day here. And the days that I don't have, I go to the office. Right. So, you know, I think this is another. So, see, we found a lot of things that, that oh, came yeah, back you know, in a good of, way with the pandemic. There's plenty of good things. There's <laughs> plenty of good things. And, and I mean, like, yeah, I think that's that brings up a really valid point to you in terms of uh, organizations flexibility right and i think yeah. it's just also um obviously should probably have been there already but it's like again it's it's smart it's easy to be you know after wise you know <laughs> kind of like the same yeah. and um and and yeah just i guess providing also for i would say like in a sense for the upcoming generation right which is much yeah. more um you know like needing of, of like, okay, we can do our stuff, you know, from home or, and I think a lot of people also learned that that's fine. And you can like get yes. results from having that. Yeah. Power. You're still productive. Yeah. You're yeah. still productive and you can, you can d deliver a lot, um, right. even right. being from your home, if that is your preferred way of working, you know? Right. And I think that's, that's the key thing here is that having that flexibility, it actually could like elevate the productivity and and deliverables for, mm -hmm. for some people that actually you know might work better at home or like like mm -hmm. to have like that sort of you know life that you have that flexibility and i think that's a very smart approach to it and you kind of like need to go more and more in that direction and that yeah that's sort of like and what, i think 
I think also the young generation is more um, technology savvy than, than, for example, myself. So I, I believe that those changes are going to continue. You know, who, who knows, maybe in the matter of verse that we are going that I still don't understand a lot what it is. But I think maybe we are going to have different experience, even in, in the event, you know, mm. time, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. I still think that is there nothing substitutes a, a tournament live. Oh, yeah. with audience you know uh like for example between japan tokyo 2020 and now beijing 2022 there is a difference of of audience like japan was totally made with no audience and that was very strange to be mm -hmm. uh, watching a match with nobody there Imagine. you know so yeah. even for the even for the athletes you know i think uh, yeah. for the players is a very different feeling but um maybe with the new the new um, innovations that are coming there might be different things uh, or experience that we might create for the audience and for uh, the players and for uh, the people that work in the industry you know right no 100 i mean like technology is 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 always rapidly changing and it's always fun to see kind of like how that is impacting you know uh the the industry and, and the things coming up I wanted to, when we're sort of like in, in the essence here of, of wrapping up a little bit, I wanted to go like more on, a, of course, like we've been, you know, diving into mm -hmm. like some topics some knowledge and some good insights, you know, of what you're doing mm -hmm. and, and some challenges that you've been facing. But I wanted to go a little bit more into like, I guess in a sense, the tips side mm -hmm. of the, the scale where obviously, you know, you, you talk a lot about, you know, working across the globe, you've been practically everywhere <laughs> at this point. <laughs> And uh, I guess, what are some of the valuable tips that you would give to students, you know, that are looking to go abroad? And I guess like in this stage and time to either for work or for school, what are some things that they should, uh, you know, keep in mind? I think, I think um, the first thing uh, for me, for example, uh, is communication. So I think if you, if you have into, uh, as a goal, that you like to want, you would like to have an international career. Mm -hmm. Speaking several languages is, is definitely a plus, you know. So English is no brainer, obviously. But um, for example, now Arabic is a is a language that is growing a lot because there's a lot of events in in, in uh, um, Arabic uh, countries. Mm -hmm. Chinese, you know, Japanese were languages that I have never thought that I would have um, uh, contact with. And at the end, uh, knowing a little bit of the language, even when I was there, right. made a lot of change, you yeah. know, because not necessarily everybody in a new country speaks your language, you mm -hmm. know, and, and communication is kind of key for you to yeah. build relationships and, and build, um, deliver what you need to deliver. So right. I think that um, from it, my perspective, you're, if you're a student and you want to grow your career internationally, I would focus on that. Mm. But at the same time, I think experience is key. So I I always volunteer. So I started actually my first event was in a film festival in Miami, and I entered the film film festival as a volunteer. You know, right. and then uh, and I started from there. So I think you everybody has a potential. Not necessarily you know the industry that you're going, right. uh, but going as a volunteer, you start to experience it in a way, and you you start identifying. Oh, I think I might like this area more than that. You know, right. I think that, and then you also start building um, relationship. You start knowing people from the industry and they might remember you for the next time and you get, you open yourself to possibilities. Um, sometimes like I have, I have that happened with me, you know, I have several people that work with me and then we, after an event, we keep contact through LinkedIn. And then um, if by any chance I have to do an event there, that's the first person that I'm going to contact, right. you know? Right. So, so I think, um, a lot of the people nowadays that they are 
this generation, I believe, is the first generation that has a lot of knowledge and a lot of study, specific study on uh, events management and sport events management, other than mine, you know, we, we became um we became sport events people but there was not a, a big uh a university on my time right. to do that even yeah. if i wanted yeah. so i think we grew with the with the business but i think from the people now they have a lot of knowledge right. a lot of um cases but they they sometimes lack a little bit of the experience of it so I think uh, if you are uh, building your career, it's very important that you also have the experience and the life, um, the life touches of seeing it happen, seeing the wrongs and the goods, you mm -hmm. know, um, thinking out of the box in the, in, the, in, the, in the minute, because that's what an event brings to you. You know, we have to find right. solutions at the spot yeah. and building relationships because network is everything for this business, you know? 100%. I mean, like you, you, you practically touch upon like, Technically, my next question too, but I wanted to dive <laughs> a little bit deeper into it. But definitely, you know, it, it's like the language, you know, going abroad is a huge thing, and and volunteering, you know, as you were talking about too, is like getting your foot out the door. And I think sometimes, you know, especially in today's situation or or like with where the industry is going, it's like people might have the wrong expectations of like what is mm -hmm. realistically going in. So it's always good to kind of like get a step back and understand. Okay, well. How do I actually start? You know, what is the yeah. approach here? And, and I wanted to like just go a little bit more into like, you know, tips you have for for any sports student or professional looking for a career in in the sport industry in general. And mm -hmm. just like obviously you talk about volunteering, you talk about networking, but if there's anything else, something else you want to like add For on example, um, uh, the FIFA is my first experience specifically in one sport. You know, right. I have worked with the Olympics and uh, in Tokyo, I have also um work with the with the Lima Pan American Games and then I work at so it was always a lot of different sports so this right. is my first time working with only one sport mm -hmm. and I am not a pro in football I can admit right. that so for example one of the first things that I did as soon as I got into football I I joined the women in football which is an mm -hmm. association a non-for-profit organization um, right. that um that connects women that work in the football industry in every single level from the athlete to the from the athlete to the referee to the right. the sports presenter to somebody from a lawyer that represents athletes so i think um trying to find organizations that connect to where you want to go mm -hmm. because there are several non-for-profit organizations most yeah. of them uh you you can join without even paying a fee Right. And by then you start connecting and understanding more your business, you know, mm -hmm. finding podcasts, finding, um, finding groups uh, that you can follow, that you will explain a little bit more what, what, your, uh, what is your expectations, what is the business. I think always knowledge is never enough, you know, so the okay. more you understand and you know more uh, mm -hmm. from each, uh, the industry they want to navigate to is the best, you know, mm -hmm. I always say that Tokyo for me, was a very challenging, uh, the Tokyo Olympic Games was very challenging, not only for the COVID, but it was my first, um, my first tournament in FIFA. Right. And even though I have done several different events for several different organizations, uh, doing an event is where you, uh, doing a tournament is where you actually understand the full end-to-end uh, -end from every single client group, you yep. know? So yeah. it was a very good learning curve for me. And I totally believe that now I have better experience with a tournament than I had before. So you continue to grow, even though you are in the same company. Um, yeah. So maybe 
in FIFA, for example, we have this experience. People that are, for example, in the legal department or uh, on an accounting department, they can volunteer to go uh, to another position for an event, nice. you know? Nice. So it's it's kind of like a way of you building connections and understanding yep. a little bit more of your business. So I think that that is another tip that I I, I encourage is try to find organizations that 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 work or represent uh, where you want to go and also try to to connect with people. You know, I have I receive a lot of connections invites from LinkedIn. You know, yeah. I normally don't accept somebody that just invite me, but if somebody sends me an invite explaining to me why they want to connect and you know right. what is their goal, yeah. uh, I always try to reach out and you know and try to connect because I think it's important that that we help each other. You know, we are one industry, oh, yeah. so yeah. so it's very important. Well, the connections. I think it's a perfect way to wrap wrap this podcast <laughs> up. You know, it's there's a lot of good, you know, uh, insights and tips that you have shared with us, Valerie, Valeria. Thank you. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I just wanted to thank you so much, you know, for for taking the time. For uh, it's my you know, pleasure. I, I know you're in a busy schedule. A lot of things coming up, so it's always good. <laughs> and I, I, I do I do believe there's a lot of people here sitting. And I think they learned something new today, you know, something interesting. I hope so. I hope so. Oh, by far. I mean, like I was sitting here and just like soaking everything in. So I'm not, I, I, I feel like, you know, for me as well, like I'm learning something new every time I'm having like this podcast with somebody because you know, it's always good getting those insights. So I'm, I'm as grateful as all the people that are listening, you know, getting some insights. So the learning never stops. You know, you're always trying to get yes. some, some good, uh, some good insights and knowledge to help you on your journey. And, um, I, I do, I like, or we do have like, kind of like a tradition here in the Sporting Global podcast that we have to do. So I have to learn a little bit Norwegian, actually. You have to learn what? I have to learn you a little bit of Norwegian. I have to teach oh, you yes. Norwegian. <laughs> You're going to teach me Norwegian, okay? Yeah, no, like we, we have this tradition, you know that. Okay. Yeah, with with every video we do, we always finish with "visnokkes," which means "see you later" in Norwegian. So that's what you have to say. Visnokkes. There you go. You know. You're okay. Good job. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Valeria. We'll, we'll talk very soon.